Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friends and welcome back to another Home Truth episode with me, your host Louise Rumble and today we are talking about the difference between attention and intention and why we get them so confused. Now I actually think that this is one of the key dating lessons that no one ever talks about and honestly if I had learned this a decade ago my entire dating life would have been different. We've all been there, right? You go on a first date, they give you attention before you get there, they give you attention when you're on the date, and maybe they give you attention after the date. And depending on how you're wired, at some point, you're going to take that attention as meaning something. Because we are never taught in today's society to ask people what their intention is. We're not taught to ask people how they feel. We're not taught to ask people where their head's at or what they want in life. And we are scared to do that because we are scared to ask them to be vulnerable. We are scared to get rejected. And ultimately, we are just scared of having uncomfortable conversations, particularly if you're British. Now, I have spent so long accepting attention, hoping that it turns into intention. And I'm going to start this episode with a story because I never want you guys to think I'm sitting here saying, oh, do this, don't do this. Look how I did this. Because you guys know that I am here on the front line with you. I have lived so many experiences. I have had my heart broken so many times. I have dated so many awful men, ignored so many red flags, been in so many toxic situations that I am just here to share my truth to help you avoid this being your truth. So let's start the episode with a story. Now, I've never really understood situationships. I always think, how the fuck do you end up in a situationship? And as I was planning this episode, I realized, oh my God, I've spent like one and a half years of my life in a situationship with someone. It started years ago. We met on Raya when we were both living in California and we started talking. I don't remember what we were talking about, but all I know is that we went to Cha Cha Matcha together, which is this incredible matcha shop that I am so obsessed with and I love it so much. So I was so excited that he wanted to meet me there. He said he'd never had matcha before and I was like, this is perfect. It's also so fun and cute inside. It's like pink and green. And I was like, okay, this is going to be so fun. So we met, we got on straight away. He was handsome. He was gorgeous. He was well-dressed. He was really, really smart. He was running and selling businesses in the wellness space, just like me. He was interested in health and fitness and everything that I was. He liked good food. He liked to go out and eat. 
And honestly, I thought we were soulmates. And I think we can laugh about the fact that I thought he was my soulmate, but I genuinely thought this man was going to be my husband. Like I've said that about a lot of people that I used to date before I went to therapy. But the truth is, I really, really thought it about this man. We spent the days on the beach together, the evenings eating out at the most incredible restaurants. We'd co-work together in the day. We'd take edible weed gummies in the evening and just get high as fuck. The chemistry was amazing and I honestly just thought he was so gorgeous. But also he understood me on a level that I needed because he stimulated my business brain. And that is a huge part of me. My business or businesses are a huge part of my life. So I need you to be able to hold that side of me as well as the fun side, as well as the vulnerable side, as well as the kind of fucked up and gone through a lot of shit side. So we had this amazing experience and it went on for a couple of months before he had to leave to go back to Europe. Now, I wish that I could say that this is where our love story came to an end, because at that point, he was going back to a different country. We had no plans to see each other ever again, and we didn't even live in the same place. But our love story didn't. end. Back then, me, pre-therapy, the second that I felt a spark, I was certain that this had to be something more than just the experience we'd spent together. I couldn't fathom feeling something, however big or small, whether that's like a first date or two months together, and it not meaning something. I couldn't understand why you wouldn't want to pursue something or why both parties wouldn't want to pursue something when it clearly was good. It felt good, it looked good, and it had good potential. Why wouldn't you want to wait something out or why wouldn't you want to try and make it work? And for such a long time, we stayed in touch. We both arrived back in Europe and we would speak, not all day, but we would have long phone calls and we'd discuss life and business and what was going on. We'd talk about our families and one day he even opened up to me about his best friend that passed away. When he went through a very stressful situation at work, I was the person that he messaged. I felt like we clearly had a physical connection. We clearly had a mental connection. We clearly had some sort of emotional connection. We clearly had compatibility. So surely something had to happen, right? Wrong. Nothing would ever materialize. He would never talk about flying to London or me coming to visit him. He even said he had a phobia of flying. Yet we met in LA, which is a very long way from Europe. At one point, he even hired me to work in his business. And before he did, I sent him a message saying, I really don't want this to blur the line because I value our personal relationship too much. He said it wouldn't and he felt the same way about me. But the truth is we never spoke about us. We never spoke about what I wanted. We never spoke about what he wanted. We never spoke about what we'd both gone through that shaped us into the people that we were when we met each other. I honestly spent the whole damn time just waiting and assuming that one day it was all going to fall into place and that the attention would finally turn into intention. And do you know what? It never did. Today, we talk intermittently, we talk about business every so often, but that is all it is. Now I understand that nothing will ever come of the situation because I have been claimed by a man who showed me that attention has to be supported by intention. But at the time, I was that anxiously attached girl thinking that if I can just be sweeter, funnier, smarter, then I would make him more likely to turn his attention to intention. And what a dangerous belief for us to have, that love is something to be chased and claimed and won. And there he was, avoidant as fuck, never talking about his feelings, never talking about his past relationships, 
and really with no intention of turning his attention to anything more. And yes, maybe there were reasons behind that. Maybe he had his heart broken. Maybe he was cheated on. Maybe he wasn't able to trust people. Maybe he was gay. Maybe he was bisexual. Maybe now wasn't the right time with work. Who knows? I wouldn't know because he never shared the reasons with me. So here's me five minutes ago saying I never understand why or how situationships developed. And now I've realized I understand exactly how they develop. They develop when attention is mistaken for intention and there is no communication around the reality of the situation. So why am I thinking about this now? I'm going to tell you. And the reason is, is because three people sent messages in the house this week, which is our incredible community area full of amazing women who love the podcast and are on a healing journey and want to share their experience and just chat day to day about what life throws at them with others. Now, when they sent these messages, it really got me thinking. And that's what got me planning today's episode. So I'm going to run you through what these ladies said, and then I'm going to run you through some home truths on why flirting and attention feels so good and why we mistake attention for intention. Okay, question one. She said, hi team, quick question if I may. I found myself in a situation shit with a guy. He said he doesn't want to be in a relationship and I've said that I'm giving dating a break, but we're super flirty and we talk regularly and we have been for the last few months. We've met and we've hung out, but we haven't slept together. Over the past few weeks, I've noticed a shift in his behavior. He doesn't reply so quickly, if at all. There have been no more phone calls. He ignores my offers to meet for coffee and a friend has even seen him on dating apps. I can't help but feel like I'm being pied off and I want the question of if I'm wasting my time. But equally, I can't ask because we've both said we're not looking for anything. I'm a highly anxiously attached person, so this is killing me internally and teamed with rejection and wanting attention, it's a very painful situation. Is it just better to delete and move on? Every time I put it to bed, he comes out of the woodwork again and a glimmer of hope takes over. Do you have any advice? Okay, now this is question two. It says, ladies, I'd appreciate a bit of advice. Tonight I was supposed to be having a second date with a guy I met just before Christmas. The first date was great and after he was asking when I'd be back in London, speaking about making another plan. Over Christmas, we messaged a bit and he messaged to wish me happy Christmas and happy new year. And then when I was back, he messaged to see when I was free. We decided that we were going to meet today and he said that he needed to double check with work and he also mentioned how things would be super busy for him in January. Anyway, he didn't reply to my latest message all weekend. It got to this morning, the day of the date, and I'd heard nothing. I'm actually not feeling well, so I wouldn't want to meet him anyway, but I decided to message despite not hearing anything about tonight. I was going to say that I wasn't sure what he was thinking, but I'm unwell either way, but I'd like to reschedule, but if he's not into it, that's cool. He then pretty quickly replied to say that work has been mad and let's definitely reschedule. I've responded and I've had nothing back. I can't help but think he's putting me on the back burner. I kind of want to feel better about the situation and I feel like the answer could be talking to more people and park this, but I also don't want to park it because we had a really good time and up until this weekend, he seemed to be really keen. Okay, now I'm not going to go through each of these situations individually because I am not the therapist here and today is just a solo episode, but what I am going to do is pull out some of the similarities that I see in these questions. Now, first up, both of the girls have been receiving attention in some capacity, hanging out, talking a lot, etc., etc. Two, they've both shared some good moments and exciting moments, and there have been some small glimpses of intention, but there have actually been more glimpses of inconsistency than consistency. In one of the situations, the girl very clearly knows that he doesn't want anything, but in the other, that hasn't been explicitly discussed. 
and irrelevant of that in both questions, the inconsistency has led both of the women into wanting to chase to get clarity, to get answers, or ultimately to get the person and not to let the connection die. The thing that's slightly different between these two is that in question one, there's not actually any misleading behavior. He's been very clear that he doesn't want anything. So he's not obligated to act in any way, shape or form. But because question one's submission is coming from a very anxiously attached person, she has added meaning to the situation, which is that she has stepped into that anxious avoidance cycle and she wants to essentially win the cycle. So I think that she's trying to get something out of the situation that he's already said he doesn't want to give. Now that for me is really interesting because she said that she's giving dating a break, but ultimately it looks like she's actually sort of dating and in those cycles that she's probably trying to escape from. And that is because the anxious avoidance cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats until you finally break it. In the second question, I think there's a lot less clarity. He hasn't said what he wants and he's giving her misleading behavior. So the lack of clarity makes her want answers. The truth is, is that in both of these questions, neither of the men are claiming the women. They're not organizing anything. They're not acting with intention. They haven't said, I'm really excited to build a partnership. I am definitely ready for a relationship. Instead, the silence is basically driving the situations where the girls are taking the attention and hoping that it means intention. Now, first of all, I want us to agree that we are not going to tolerate anyone who doesn't give us clarity in 2023. And one of my favorite quotes from the year so far is that if they like you, they will want to give you nothing but clarity. Yes, they might have emotional issues. Yes, they might have emotional baggage, but it is not too much to expect someone to say that they are interested in building a partnership if they meet the right person. I totally get that in the beginning of a relationship or in the beginning of, you know, when you're just dating someone, you don't want to be too intense. But honestly, an emotionally healthy person will be able to ask someone else what they're looking for without fear of rejection. And an emotionally healthy person will be able to respond to that without being freaked out or feeling like they have to lie. If you can't ask that question to someone else and you don't think they can give you an answer, then I would actually maybe say that maybe right now is not the time for you to be dating because building out these basics of communication and learning how to ask uncomfortable questions and to use your voice and to set boundaries and to show up with your truth and your desire is such an important part of knowing yourself and being able to invest in another. Now, another thing that we're not going to accept in 2023 is this belief that a good date means anything. Now, this is probably a bit of a controversial hot take, but I cannot tell you how many great dates I've been on when nothing has ever happened afterwards. They've either ghosted me, they've dated someone else, they've got back with their ex-girlfriend, they've love bombed the fuck out of me. We need to understand that a good date means nothing. And it's actually a savagely hard fact to acknowledge, but honestly, it really doesn't mean anything. A good date does not mean a good connection because a good connection is based on both compatibility and chemistry. And good dates honestly only tell you a little bit about both of those. The truth is, is that it takes a long time to get to know someone and to get to know whether you are compatible and whether there is chemistry. But healthy chemistry is not the chemistry that comes on the first date when you have to have them. 
So as we're dating out here in the wild, wild west, I want you to understand that a good date is amazing. And if you have one, I want you to cherish it. And I want you to come home and enjoy every second of it because you deserve that. You deserve to have amazing experiences with people who make you feel gorgeous and desirable and lovable. But when you come home, I want us just to tamper that excitement a little bit and say to ourselves, that was a great experience. I can't wait to see where this goes, but I'm not going to get my expectations up. And I think a way that can help us be able to rationalize that statement is being able to understand why people give you attention, why people flirt with you, and maybe why it feels so good. So first up, let's discuss why flirting and attention feels so good on a chemical level in our body. This is your body on flirting. The science of love says that three major monoamines are released in the body when someone is in the presence, virtually or physically, of a person that he or she is attracted to. These are number one, dopamine, which spikes as highly as if the person experiencing it has taken cocaine. Two, norepinephrine, which causes your heart to race and the butterflies to go crazy in your stomach. And three, serotonin, the key hormone that regulates mood, well-being and happiness and floods your brain. Together, the combined release of these neurotransmitters causes the well-known feelings of euphoria, feeling giddy and coming home literally from a date thinking, I have found my soulmate. So texting feels good and flirting feels good. It's a scientific fact, but it goes deeper. Welcome to the dopamine chase. Now, we all know that most of us love the thrill of the chase. And I think to some extent it is like a biologically wired in instinct. And we talk about this all the time on the podcast about how the chase for the person who isn't showing up with clarity and consistency sometimes activates us so much more than the person that shows up and says, hey, I really like you and I want to hang out with you. To understand why unpredictability and uncertainty are so damn attractive, we need to go deeper into dopamine. Now with dopamine, it's so important to understand how it works in the brain for us to really understand why attention feels so good. And there's a Stanford professor called Robert Sapolsky who studied this and his research has two critical findings. One, dopamine levels in humans rise in anticipation of getting something, not just getting something. This means that you don't just get the hit of dopamine when they text you. You get a hit of dopamine whilst you're waiting for them to text you. And both of these ladies who submitted their question are waiting for these dudes to text them. Especially the girl that said that he used to text a lot and now he doesn't. This is essentially setting up a level of dopamine and chemical release that's now basically slowly tapering off. The second finding that helps us explain why situationships can be so damn intoxicating is that dopamine levels are actually at their highest when uncertainty is at its highest. That statistic blew my mind because it means that actually the most uncertain dating stages, even though they trigger the fuck out of us, are actually fueling the dopamine reward cycle the most. So in other words, even though your conscious mind can understand that a situationship or a situation is not good for you, it feels good for you. And if that isn't fucking confusing, then I don't know what is. Okay, now let's take it back to these questions. Both of these women are in conversations with someone who elicits a sufficient balance of mixed signals that are generating these addictive endorphins because they are giving them uncertainty. There is no clarity, there is no consistency, and actually there's mixed signals all around. And don't get me wrong, I have been going back to my story. Every time we talk or organize a phone call, I'd get really excited. But the truth is, is that the cycle would go cold after a while. It would be hot, I'd get the dopamine hit, and then it would basically pull away and I'd be waiting for him to message me again or me to message him. 
And why is that? He had no intention other than giving me attention. If I'd known then what I'd known now, I'd understand how powerful dopamine is and that it's rewarding and that it's going to have me checking my phone constantly and it's going to have you looking at when they were last online and seeing if they're typing and seeing if they've posted a story and seeing if they've looked at your story or replied to your story. And the second that they hit a heart on your story or reply, you get that hit. But it's pleasure mixed with anguish because there is so much uncertainty. Okay, another home truth. One of the most common reasons we flirt is simply because it's fun. Now, this one's a really hard one to accept because the second that someone flirts with us, we think there must be a meaning to it. Or at the very least, we add a meaning to it because we want there to be a meaning to it. Maybe that meanings that there's an attraction there, there's a spark there that we want to explore it. So maybe they want to explore it too. Or maybe here's the potential of it being something much bigger and much longer lasting. But the truth is, is that David Henningsen, a professor in the University of Illinois Department of Communication, explained that one of the most common reasons we flirt is simply because it's fun. He said flirting interactions tend to be playful and people often engage in them just to have fun. He acknowledged flirting as little moments of bliss and that they are low stake incidents that have the power to really impact our mood. And he's right. We all know how getting a text or not getting a text can change our entire day. Or at least that's how I was before going to therapy. So a horrible home truth that we need to acknowledge is that a lot of people are just flirting with you because it's fun. Maybe they're doing it to boost their own ego. Maybe they're doing it because they're bored. Maybe they're doing it to take away from their own distraction. Or maybe they're doing it because you are really, really fun to talk to. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how great you are to talk to or how fun you are. That is never going to shift them from attention into intention. Science also shows that flirting raises your self-esteem. So it shows that someone wants you or needs you. And this brings in the psychology of hope. And I think that the psychology of hope is one of the reasons that a good date can be so damn damaging unless we take it for what it is. Just one good evening that we've spent for someone with no strings attached at that point. Now, why do I think that hope is so dangerous in dating? And the reason is, is because hope causes the brain to release neurochemicals and they actually mimic the effects of morphine. So when you are hopeful about something, you literally are experiencing less pain or discomfort than living in the reality of potentially not having hope. Hope is something that really, really still gets to me today. And if I have exciting business deals on the table or I have exciting opportunities on the table, I feel so much better and my mental health is so much better than if I don't have that hope. And I can totally understand how that would transition into a romantic setting too. I think when we understand attachment trauma and how many of us are just really looking to be chosen, picked, loved, cared for, to be made to feel safe and that we can be loved for exactly who we are, irrelevant of all the shit that we've gone through, I think we can understand why flirting can lead to hope. I think that the concept of hope ties back to this childhood kind of idea of the knight in shining armor coming to save the princess. And I think that as these feel-good chemicals in the brain stimulate our nervous system and blood is flowing, we honestly feel more alive. And of course, we want to feel that way. We want to feel like our future is going to be amazing and we're going to be picked and chosen and madly in love and happy. So we want to keep engaging with the person that gives us the possibility of that. One really difficult truth that I've had to learn is that no prince on a horse is coming to save you. And yes, you might meet someone who is incredible and adds so much to your life, but a healthy relationship has to be built over time. 
you're not going to meet them straight away and be whisked off your feet into the happily ever after with no problems, challenges or issues. We're taught that love can just change you overnight, but that is not how society works today. So the solution to this part of the stage is watching their behavior rather than expecting. And that is a critical part of the dating experience that Dr. Terry has taught me about. Now, we've already spoken about why attention feels so good, but it's really important to understand how many different ways we can receive attention from someone. And it's not just texting. We can receive attention through communication, but we can also get it through someone giving you their time, someone spending their money on you, someone being proactive and organizing things that you said you wanted to do and being thoughtful and caring. Attention can also be sharing their body with you or sharing their energy with you and even sharing their emotions with you as well as sharing their vulnerabilities with you. In my eyes, all of these things before I went to therapy would have been signs that someone wanted to build an intention with me. But since then, I've understood that someone can give you all of these things and it can mean nothing. We are the ones that add the meaning to this. We think there must be a meaning to it. So let's add some meanings into this. They spend their time texting, seeing me and calling me. It means that they're interested in me because they give me that time. They could be doing something else with that time or talking to someone else. And that means that they like me, they're attracted to me or they're interested in me. Next example. They spend their money on me. They wouldn't take me out and pay for me if they didn't like me. They could be spending it on someone else. And that means that this could be something. Next, we're hooking up. We're sharing an intimate space together. The sex is amazing. They wouldn't sleep with me if they didn't like me. The chemistry is unbelievable. And that means that this could be something. The meaning that we build out of that is that they wouldn't sleep with me if they weren't attracted to me. This means that we have the foundations of a great physical relationship. And now if we can just connect emotionally as well, then we have everything we need for a relationship. This means that this could be something. Finally, They're sharing their emotions and vulnerability with me. They've shared their fears, hopes, dreams, and visions with me. They've introduced me to their friends. They've introduced me to their life. They're connecting with me and they're letting me into their life. They wouldn't do that if they didn't want me in their life with their friends and if they didn't feel anything at all. There must be the potential for something here. Otherwise, they wouldn't do those things. Okay, my friends, my loves, my angels, unless they have communicated anything with you, you are applying meaning, them giving you time doesn't have a meaning attached to it. Some people might have lots of time and give it freely, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be anything else. It takes 12 seconds to reply to a text message, one second to reply to an IG story, and they might just be bored at work or texting you throughout the day to get these dopamine hits that we've been talking about. Who knows what is driving it, but it doesn't have a meaning attached to it until you learn from them what it is. Have they told you that they're connecting physically with you, but they're also enjoying getting to know you emotionally and that they're not sleeping with anyone else because they're interested in only investing in you? It might just be that they find you incredibly attractive. They're really good with having casual sex or they can distinguish their emotions from the physical and that they're not going to get attached to you. Just because you give them pleasure doesn't mean that they're going to give you longevity. And I really understand that sharing energy physically and intimately can be very confusing. Particularly, I think as women, we can often add so much meaning to that, particularly for those of us who carry so much sexual trauma and deeply distressing experiences around casual sex. But the truth is, there's a lot of people out there that can be intimate with each other and sleep with people. And it doesn't have to mean anything at all. Just because it means something for you doesn't mean that it's the same meaning for them. 
Have they told you that they've let you into their life to meet their friends and to meet their family because they're excited that you two might be something in the future? And finally, just because they share their emotions and fears and hopes and dreams with you doesn't mean anything, much like them inviting you into their family home or into their friendship group. Maybe they're just very open. I know on my behalf that I've introduced people to my parents that have never become boyfriends and I've definitely introduced people into my friendship group when we were just dating. I also know from my own personal experience that since going to therapy, I love talking about emotions and fears and hopes and dreams. So just because I can be vulnerable with someone doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be anything else. So I think it's just so important to understand that unless they have communicated to you what the meaning of their attention is, you just can't assume it. Okay, now let's break this down. You have to ask yourself, what sources of attention are they giving me? What meaning am I implying to it? What truths and facts have they told me about the situation? And what assumed intention am I building around this situation? The truth is, is that any attention will just be totally fruitless if there's no intentional motivation for any spark to grow into something bigger. Maybe they're fine with it just ticking along as something really casual. So the home truth is, is before you go into a date, you need to be very honest with yourself. What do you want from someone at this point in your life? Now, a lot of people are listening to this podcast because you want something real and that is okay. I personally think it's fucking cool to say, hey, I'm really good on my own, but I want a partner. I want someone to share my life with. I want someone to build a life with. That is nothing to be ashamed of. And someone who wants that too won't be scared off by that at all. So first up, what do you want? And it is so important not to let yourself shit talk yourself either. Often just saying you want to keep things casual with someone actually comes from the ultimate form of emotional unavailability, which is that you are scared of being deeply vulnerable with someone, scared of being abandoned or scared of being rejected. If that's you, I would definitely advise listening to episodes 33 and 44, where Dr. Terry and I go through that in so much detail and really help you to understand where this cycle is coming from. I've also planned a number of amazing episodes around daddy issues and undiscussed daddy issues that I think are going to shine so much light on how the relationship with our father and some kind of father wound can really, really impact how we show up in the adult dating world. But if you do want something real, you need to communicate that from the get-go. Literally within a week of talking, you need to say, so what are you looking for in the dating world at the moment? I'm really excited to invest in something real with someone. What about you? I think it's really important for you to put those two parts of the question together because often if you put it out there, the other person might want to play it cool or might not want to say anything too intense. So they'll just say, I don't know, I'm up for going with the flow. But by you claiming and stating that you want to invest in something real, you can really see where their head's at. And if they say they want to go with the flow, I guarantee you that nine times out of 10, that is not going to lead to a long lasting, deep relationship because it means that they're very happy just skimming and skipping along. And if they say they're really busy right now, kick them to the curb. That was me. For a decade, I would say to guys, I'm too busy right now. Like, I'd love to meet you when I'm really busy. Maybe we could fit something in, blah, blah, blah. No, it just meant that I was so wrapped up in work and I was so wrapped up in life that I hadn't learned to prioritize quality time with potential people that could be very special to me down the line. So if you want something real, don't tolerate maybes while you explore. This is one of the key dating lessons that I wish I had learned sooner. And maybe my final question is, can you do X, Y, and Z and still be happy with it turning into nothing else but a memory? Is it going to make you feel anxious? Are you going to wonder about who else they're dating? 
Are you going to wonder out who else they're talking to? Is it going to trigger your anxious attachment style? Is it going to make you chase love because you've never experienced someone just coming in and claiming you for the incredible person that you are? If you are expecting more than a happy memory from this interaction, then don't do it. Their attention is inevitably going to hurt. Now, I want to help you put what we've spoken about today in action. And I've got one final question that came in through the house. And someone said, oh my goodness, girls, I'm in the same situation. I met someone working together and we've been hard flirting. We didn't go home together, but we had a little kiss and text, then nothing for two weeks. I texted to touch base after Christmas and we chatted. Then he messaged me the week after. I saw him last weekend at an exhibition and I totally fancy him, but I've heard nothing since. I'm trying so hard to give him space to message me, but I just think he might not at all. Is this a terrible idea and a terrible option? Do I give up? He knows I like him and he said he'd like to help me hang art at my new flat twice. Am I just trying to make him follow through because of my anxious attachment style? He said he was up for hanging out, but I'm getting crickets for actual days. I hate waiting. Okay, Now let's break this down with the formula. And remember that the formula is the attention plus our meaning equals implied intention. So let's look at the attention. They had a good connection. They've been on a date. They've been flirting. Now, what is the meaning that this lovely lady has added to this? The meaning is that there's a connection. I fancy him. And this equals possibility and hope. He said he'd like to hang art at her house, which implies that he'd like to see her again. Him suggesting that he wants to spend more time with her is also the meaning that he potentially feels the same way. So we take the attention and the meaning that this lovely lady has added and we take it to be an implied intention, which is that I think he's interested in me. But if we work through the cold, hard facts of this, which I understand is so much easier when you're on the outside than inside, the truth is, is that there are lots of red flags here. They had a couple of texts and a kiss and then she heard nothing for two weeks. Uh Uh-uh, that is not consistent behavior. That is not healthy masculine behavior of someone claiming what they know they want or that they're interested in exploring further. She texted to touch base after Christmas. So she had to initiate and then they hung out, but then she didn't hear anything again. He is not organizing. He is not texting first. He is not taking the initiative to orchestrate specific dates with her. The truth is, is like I said, you can have a good date, but it doesn't mean anything else. This lady deserves so much more than texting someone and hoping that they'll text back, waiting to hear from them, communicating that she likes him in the hope that he might say the same thing back or that he might be inspired to do something. The hard truth here is that there is no clear intention from this man. Having a connection with someone, having a good date, having chemistry, having a kiss, that is not intention. Intention is saying, I want to build a partnership with someone. Intention is saying, I'm ready to invest in something. Attention is saying, I don't want casual anymore. Intention is saying, I'm ready to build something when I meet the right person. There's a lot of things that we can imply as intention when actually it's just attention. And most of all, the most important thing that I want to say in this whole episode is just a reminder that If you imagine attention and intention being on this sliding scale, there's always a gap between them. And we often think that we have to be the one to make them jump from attention to intention, or at least to change the slider on like the sliding mechanism. 
We feel like if we're just prettier, cuter, sexier, funnier, then maybe they would want to turn their attention into intention. Maybe they'd see us for how beautiful we are and how amazing we could be as a girlfriend or a boyfriend. But this is a deeply dangerous and damaging cycle because it reaffirms the belief that love is to be chased and controlled and won. That love shouldn't come easily and that we aren't just able to be loved for who we are. The truth is, yes, sometimes you need to let things flow and sometimes you need to see if their attention might turn in to intention in some capacity. But the truth is the foundations of intention have to be there. They have to know that they want to spend more time with you and to see where it goes at the very least. They can give us attention. They should be giving us attention. In fact, they should be giving us tons of attention, but they also should be giving us a bit of intention too. And ultimately, we shouldn't be believing that intention exists where it doesn't. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm going to go because my dog is literally running around the floor in my bedroom and she wants some attention or intention. But I will speak to you guys soon. I love you so much. If you enjoyed this, please, please, please drop a review on Apple or Spotify. And if you want to come and join the house where we're having these kinds of discussions, just drop me a DM on Instagram. I love you guys. Let me know how you get on. 